Welcome to Classified, a show where we apply Dungeons & Dragons to every fandom, one character at a time. I'm Robin, and today my co-host and I are classifying Mario and Luigi, Princess Peach, and Bowser. Let's go. Super Mario Bros. is a platform game developed by Nintendo, designed by Shigeru Miyamoto and Kashi Tezuka. The first game in the Super Mario series, it was first released in 1985 in Japan, then limited in the US for the NES. Super Mario Bros. is frequently cited as one of the greatest video games of all time, is one of the best-selling games of all time, with more than 58 million copies sold worldwide. It is credited alongside the NES as one of the key factors in reviving the video game industry after the 1983 crash and helped popularize the side-scrolling platform game genre. The game began a multimedia franchise including a long-running game series, an animated television series, an animated feature film, a live-action feature film, and another upcoming animated feature film to be released in April of this year, 2023. Needless to say, Mario and Super Mario Brothers would seem to have become a permanent fixture in pop culture. Most of that is from Wikipedia. The branding can be found almost anywhere nerd culture merchandise is manufactured, discussed, or played, but I dare say these characters have never tra- traversed into the world of D&D, or at least not very often. So how will they fit in? This is probably not an expected turn for this podcast, and classifying these characters is sure to be a wild ride. So let's get started. On today's panel, I'm joined by Mike and Jess. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. And we actually just recently wrapped up a four years long campaign. So this is, <laughs> I haven't seen you guys since then. So this is, this is going to be fun. Yes, very much so. Yeah. But let's go ahead and get a rundown of your personal character sheet. So tell me a little bit about your background with D&D. My name is Mike. I've been playing D&D for years and years and years now. Too long. Uh, I've been playing back since, honestly, uh, college is when I kind of first started dipping my toes into it. Mostly was with Pathfinder and 3.5 is kind of where I started. I didn't really get into it a ton then. It was kind of just um, in between classes, I had a little bit of time to dabble into that. Um, And then college ended, I kind of drifted away from it. And then it was either Critical Role came first, where I started really getting to that series, or um, I started uh, doing DMing, or not DMing, being a part of a game for a friend of ours, uh, which actually all of us played in that game, and uh, really kind of just dug into it. I've run several one-shots, with too many at this point, as mentioned before, uh, just wrapped on my first campaign that was about Four years. on and off, on and off, yeah. but in general, it ran for quite some time, um, and actually managed to, to finish one, which was quite amazing. Uh, I'm a collector of the books. I try to keep up with all the material. They definitely have too much of my money. However, you know, that's just what it is. You know, you get addicted and you just, you know, splurge on it. Um, but no, big avid D&D guy. Um, probably spend way too much time on it. Although I've been a little bit of a hiatus recently. What, what would you say is like your favorite thing about it? Like what keeps you coming back? D&D for me is about storytelling and world building. Um, it's the stories, right? The combat's fun and, you know, it's enjoyable to, you know, figure out how to min-max your characters to a point and, you know, flush out like a fun, you know, combat scenario. But really what it comes down to is the role play between characters and just the world, right? You're kind of able to build more off of each other's characters. You're able to write elaborate stories together. 
no matter how old I've gotten. It's just wonderful to build stories, narratives in the world with other people that are either like-minded creators or people that have, you know, different mindsets of how they want to twist that story. Cool. Jess, how about you? Oh gosh, um, I didn't get into D&D until 5th edition, um, probably around around, shortly after starting, I think it was 2015 started playing and then I never turned back. I was an addict from the get-go. It's sort of like one of those things where like you tried something once, you're like, I'm not going to get addicted. Next thing I know, I've got a million dice. I'm a collector of all the shiny click clacks and I'm obsessed. I can't get enough. I probably technically started by playing a different um, tabletop RPG, which was Dragon Age. Played a bit of that and then that quickly shifted over to just fifth edition. Um, I uh, haven't really ever delved too far into any of the other editions just because I'm I'm at heart a storyteller. I, for me, it's always the story. I think that's one of the things I love about D&D is win or lose, it's fun. It's one of the few games where you can have something where you roll a natural one, you lose horribly, quote unquote, lose, and it's one of the best moments ever. I'm currently running my first homebrew campaign that's been going on for almost a year now, I think. Prior to that, run several one-shots, a couple of short campaigns, um, and have been a avid player. I am very blessed where I know some people uh, are always looking for a game. I'm constantly shifting my schedule to fit more games in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know we just wrapped up our, our campaign, but I've also am playing in four other campaigns That's currently, crazy. and running mine. So like I'm, in the best I know, way. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I'm, I'm very lucky. Um, I probably should cut down on D and D, but like I said, I'm an addict, and it's an obsession. <laughs> no, I love that philosophy of like. I don't know if you've ever, if I've ever heard you say that before about like win or lose, it's fun. That's such a great way to put that. I like that. So that's D&D. So what is, moving into today's classification, what is your history then with the world of Super Mario Brothers? Mm. We mm. should preface this with a smidge, is, is that we, Mike and I are brother and sister. We actually have a, a pretty long history of Super Mario and um, the Nintendo in general together because this is what we grew up on. Right. We would be the ones sitting around uh, with whichever system we currently had at that point in time, um, obsessively playing until we got blisters on our hands. Oh, wow. Um, specifically Mario Party. That is a killer. And if you <laughs> so ever... many, so many. Um, but yeah, I think we've played from uh, Super Mario through most of like the, the actual games from between one or the other of us have played them some of them together some of them not mike's probably played more than i have and then just within that all of the games that kind of super smash uh, mario kart mario golf mario tennis all those ones um so it just kind of goes on and on as the world continues to expand luigi's mansion um and there's a whole tread of series that way yeah mario is one of those fascinating series because it is um not only just the pilot game for nintendo right it's 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 i mean it is their mascot you know you go back I, we played the original one back um at our grandparents because they right. had the nintendo technically before that you have you know donkey kong it's technically right. the first mario thing but before that they had this uh it was almost like a demo disc and you had duck hunt mixed mm -hmm. with the original mario 
And so we had that. I think the one we probably played the most of was Mario Super Mario 3, the one with the uh, Tanuki suit. You've got the Paper Mario series, mm-hmm. which is massive. Mario Sunshine. Mario Sunshine, uh, Mario Galaxies. I mean, the franchise has, they're at least over, I think, 60. There's got to be more almost at probably. this point. If you're talking about even all the spinoff games, we're probably close to 80 to 100 game titles. They're just, it's everywhere. He's you know, thrown into everything. Um, And you have a Mario game coming out almost every year of some shape, form, or style. Or like in some other form of media, like Mm -hmm. the movies and the shows and Mm -hmm. whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely watched some of the um, cartoons as kids. Mm. Um, Even back to the live action movie. I remember that one. That one's a special, special little uh, treat for anyone who's never watched it. Yeah. Why'd they got to do Yoshi like that? Why'd they got to do Yoshi like that? It's almost, it's almost like other things in pop culture where even people who don't know anything about Mario or, or any of the games, like they know that that like almost like the avatar, the last airbender movie like is bad. Like <laughs> yeah. people just know it because of cultural osmosis. I, not all of it, but I've seen part of it and I'm like, yeah, I feel you on that. It's just not <laughs> it's a very a good one, movie. It's, it's, it's honestly like I've watched it a couple of times. Don't get me wrong. It's not a great movie by any means. Yeah, it has such character to it. It like, does. It is nothing it like a Mario of, movie. Don't get me wrong. It sort of but... falls into that probably almost category of like the Star Wars Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. There's this sort of like we love to hate on it, yeah, but like we still very much enjoy it. Versus like the Avatar movie where it's like no, we just we just disregard <laughs> that existing. Sweep under the rug. Mm-hmm. Well, to get into the game, the game and our classification discussion, let's shift into that. So let's start off. Co-host, roll for initiative. Did you have a nat 20? Yes, I did. Oh, I got an 18 oh, too. Oh, very close. So with that nat 20, then Mike, you, you get to you get to choose who are who are we classifying Wonderful. first? Okay. So we'll start with Mario then. Okay. Mario, Mario, Mario. I decided to go with the multicasting approach. Uh, Mario is a complicated character, and so I think he has more, you know, beef to him in, in, in regards to what he can do. One of the things about Mario is he does everything, right? But the main thing is he's very quick. He jumps high. He punches things. He's a fist fighter through and through. He's able to smash literal brick blocks. So, of course, he's got to be a monk. I chose the monk of the way of the four elements focusing on giving him the ability to have the sweeping cinder strike, which is the burning hands for his fireball element to there. Uh, the gong of the summit, which allows you to cast shatter. Um, one of the typical moves for Mario is his ground pound ability. So he's able to break blocks beneath him or, you know, just in general above, you know, shattering effects. And then followed up with Thing of the Fire Snakes for a bit more fire action. In addition to that, Mario constantly is putting on different hats or different power-ups that usually transform him into other animals. It's either, you know, you you got the Tanuki suit Mario, um, you've got the penguin suit Mario, cat Mario, which the internet went crazy over. Uh, there's various versions of it. So thus, he is a druid, Circle of the Moon. Okay. Of course, his background uh, would be Bar Traveler. The typical lore of Mario is that they were plumbers, or Mario and Luigi were their plumbers from a different world. And, um, you know, they've traveled very far from a different reality of sorts, and they land up in the Mushroom Kingdom. Did you happen to give him an alignment? I did. A neutral good. 
he in general is trying to do good things. You know, he's fighting Bowser. He could take an easier route, but he's doing good. However, he's definitely not lawful. Okay. That's my take. Jess, what do you got? Well, it's it's a really good try, but it's wrong. We'll just start there. <laughs> you were right. Mario does a bit of everything, and he's sort of all over the place, which is why he's a wizard. Specifically, wizard of um, transmutation. Based on the various hats and items that he's constantly using, these are your kind of... Uh, go-to wizard items that are magic items you're making. He is using them. He knows how to use them. Uh, He's smart. He's intelligent. So he's a transmutation wizard. Um, That's going to give him access to a bunch of spells. Firebolt, you know, you got your go-to fire spells going on. He can even hit a big one if you really want to with a fireball. On top of that, um, he can access Featherfall, Jump, and Large Reduce. You have your big Mario, you've got your little Mario. On top of that, he's got Polymorph. So there are certain things that he does fully change into, like a raccoon or things along those lines. There's a cat, there's a frog at one point in time. He has access to all of these sort of various spells, um, but he's not your classic wizard. You would also multi-class that a bit with a fighter. What kind of fighter? The champion. It's so obvious. He's the champion of the mushroom world. It goes hand in hand. He's the one who's going to come and save the day. He's the champion. It's so obvious that I think to go any other way is just doing a disgraced Mario. Background, Guild Artisan, because he is like a people's kind of guy. He was a plumber or in the original, very first introduction, a carpenter. So he has access to tools. He has access to most specifically um, land vehicles for his go-kart riding, for Yoshi. Um, he's, he's, you know, on top of that, he can summon Yoshi with fine steed. So uh, spells out beyond that to really lock things in. Um, you've got haste for when he needs to move a bit further. Summon Fay for all of the random times Toad just shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and on the occasion that he has turned into like a stone statue, you've got stone skin. It's just all right there in writing. As far as alignment, he'd probably be, I would agree with a uh, true neutral good in the sense of there's definitely times he's running around, he's stealing these people's coins. Like he has no disregard. It's just a kind of, hey, this is here. Nobody wants it. I'll take it. Um, He's not trying to return it to the people. He still keeps that to himself. Um, But he's also trying to help out the fellow fungi. Where's your Mario? It's just, I just want to uh, interject for, for a moment here. You said fine steed? Uh, sorry, it's specifically phantom steed. Oh, thank you. Okay. Just sorry. want to get correction if sorry, I need sorry. to. Sorry, uh... <laughs> sorry. That is a paladin spell. Uh, only paladins I, I can get phantom. access to that. There's no even class substance that will allow you to get that. So um, are you a paladin? I should add in um, that he would take the martial adept feat giving him access to trip attack and lunging attack along with the mobile feet to give him that extra mobility. Okay. Do either of you want to dispute either of your choices? 
Unfortunately, I was thinking about how ridiculous this concept was for her because, you know, wizards, as we know from our campaign, die when you blink at them. <laughs> However, Mario also dies in one hit. So, That's true. unfortunately, I might have to concede on this one. He's not that tough built guy. He's he's a little squishy. I mean, I will say I do I do like the idea though of of Mario as a monk though. Like I did like your reasoning for that, like the the punching and whatnot. Like I oh, did sure. I, I was like actually that's that's pretty solid reasoning. But yeah, Jess, your your argument for that was was pretty solid. However, how is a wizard gonna break a rock if it's in his way? Knock. <laughs> how many times can he cast knock, Jess? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> So knock doesn't break cinder blocks. Um, knock can remove obstacles. Fair. You know what else also removes obstacles? A punch. Fists of fury. It's true. I'm not saying your reasoning is. Flawed. I'm just saying. Like, I'm you just can, saying. You can wizard your way to a tanuki, or you could here. just be a tanuki, like a druid. <laughs> Plumbing tools is unfortunately not an option in D5E because I got was Tinker's tools. I went kind of more the Carpenter way, giving him access to Mason's tools. All right. So, so again, so Mario, again, go ahead and say that again. Mario would be up to level 10, presumably, a level seven wizard, three into a champion fighter. Sounds good. All right. Let's, so that's Mario. What about our other three? Let's go ahead and roll for initiative again. So, Mike, you rolled higher on that one, right? Yes, rolled an 18. So you're up first again. All right, so Luigi. I know we have a hard disagreement on this one. Yeah, this will be interesting. All right, let's 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 hear. What are, what are we going with? For me, Luigi, okay? Luigi really shines in his own franchise right now, okay? Uh, Luigi's Mansion has become probably one of the larger Mario franchises, I would say, that have kind of spun off. They're up to three games now. It is very iconic for many people. So my Luigi is mostly focusing on the characteristics from this uh, version of him. So Luigi, uh, first off, is an artificer, specifically the battlesmith. A lot of this stuff comes down to the magic tinkering. Uh, Luigi gets a lot of his abilities and a lot of his features and a lot of his fun things from a Professor Egad. He's very much about a tinkering and stuff. And Luigi is the person who uses all the tinkering objects. So the things that I focused on were, first off, the Radiant Weapon. Uh, radiant Weapon is something that allows you to do a 30-foot radius of dim light, as well as have some things. And one of Luigi's things is he has a, a very handy flashlight that he uses to stun his enemies, his ghosts, to be able to then use his vacuum to suck them up. The other thing he has is the Repulsion Shield, which allows him to do a shockwave attack, very typical one of, one of the games. If you get cornered, you're able to shock your way out of there and shoot out a burst of air. The other thing was the homunculus servant. One of the most notorious things that Luigi Mansion has is he has this companion dog. I actually have to remember what his name is. This is one I should have done a little bit more it's research. Polter Pup. Polter Pup. Thank you. Um, and he literally is like a ghost homunculus that just follows you around. In addition to that with the Battlesmith, as you get a little further into there, you have what is known as the Steel Defender. Now, Luigi doesn't have a steel defender per se, but what this is, is it is a faithful companion that follows you around and obeys your commands. One of the funnest things in Luigi's Mansion 3 is you have what is known as Guigi, who is a clone of yourself that is a slime form that in very much similar fashion, although a little bit more metal because there's not a goo form, 
is able to copy your shape and what you do and, you know, you can interact and, and go through certain scenarios and, and be part of that. Lastly, Luigi is not just an artificer. He is someone that is constantly fighting and making his way through society. Even if he doesn't want to, he is forced to fight ghosts wherever he goes. He's gone through and exercised three big, large mansions at this point. Clearly, he's a cleric. Not just any cleric, he's a grave cleric. Okay. Because he is able to use Eye of the Graves to quickly detect and see ghosts, which is something that's kind of unique to him. He's able to have these special glasses or visions that are able to kind of help him seek out and find them, easily see more of where they are. Also, his circle of mortality when he is in low life, their hit points, he is able to very quickly come back. In Luigi's Mansion game, as kind of a little way that they help to keep you alive, if you get really low on hit points, hearts drop much faster, very similar to the circle of mortality. In general, Luigi constantly is fighting ghosts, he is constantly using gadgets. I mean, it's it's pretty simple that he is clearly an artificer mixed with a cleric. Followed up with his background, and uh, if Justice agrees with this one, you know, I honestly have lost all hope. He is clearly a haunted one. He has been forced to endure these mansions back-to-back, being tricked about them and having to save people constantly. He is constantly like that under that little brother that's either been stolen away as well or you know, forced into a situation. He's always the one that is skittish. He is afraid of everything that's usually around him. He he usually builds up his courage, but in general, very terrified 90% of the time. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I would say is the epitome of who Luigi is. All right, Jess? I do have the same background, haunted one. That one just kind of goes hand in hand with Luigi and everything that he is. And I do agree with you that through EGAD, he has a lot of gadgets and tools at his disposal, but he's not the one making these gadgets and tools, so he can't really be the artificer. What he is, in fact, is a warlock, and EGAD is his patron. Specifically, EGAD being the Fathomless, constantly coming up with these ridiculous sort of out there ideas, and he's just giving these tools to Luigi as his warlock follower. Go do my bidding. There's no real like reward for you outside of, hey, do what I'm telling you to do and you get to use the tools. This isn't a benevolent relationship here. This is go do my bidding or there's probably going to be repercussions. <laughs> what that gives him access to are a couple of different things. You've got Elder Blast, which is essentially the same thing that he's doing with the flashlight. He's kind of chucking this flashlight. If you want to, you can also go with the Feet uh, Magic Initiate, which will also give you access to the Light Cantrip as well. It'll also give you a firebolt because, again, Luigi does on occasion in some of the other episodes throw out a firebolt or two and comprehend languages because I don't know if you've played many of these games for anyone who might be listening in, but if you can understand what these characters are saying half the time, then you obviously have cast (laughs) comprehend languages without a doubt. And Luigi always seems to follow the warlock specifically... um, feats that he's going to get access to is Tentacle of the Deep. Tentacle of the Deep is essentially Gogiji. You, these tentacles that you summon, 
they're practically goo. Tentacle of the Deep, you can move around with your bonus actions. You can get into like small areas. There, you can kind of slide it through. Like you don't need to have a whole human-sized space for it. You would also get um, Ghostly Gaze, where you have the ability to see through solid objects, which consistently there's times where Luigi has his flashlight that lets him see things beyond the normal. You have access of Pact of the Chain, which is a find familiar, which is the lovable Poultra pup that you call to yourself. Adorable. He is a more powerful form than a find familiar because he can also attack. And Poultra pup does that um, consistently. He will come to your defense and help you out. And he'll disappear when he gets hurt or descends to go off somewhere. But like any find familiar, you can recall it. And he's still around. Whispers of the Grave will give him access to speak with the dead as he does consistently speak with the ghosts. And I gave him the gunner feet as he is consistently using what you essentially would normally associate to something like Ghostbusters or something along those lines, but it's kind of like a gun. And so he needs to be proficient in that. So he does have the gunner feet as well. Yeah, so fully warlock, not a multi-class. Um, but just kind of dabbling into some feats that give him some of his fighting abilities that he has, but he's not really a big fighter. This might this might sound weird. I think Jess probably has it more accurate, but I think I would ma- rather play Mike's build on this one. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> if that, it does that fair. Make sense? The only things I was going to argue is, as much as it's interesting when you brought up your, your tentacles things, they don't actually do anything that Goichi does. They don't. They can't use the flashlight. However... You know what you can do with your your construct? You can enchant it. You can give it the abilities that uh, Luigi has, thus copying Luigi. Granted, it's metal. You have an argument there. But I would say in general for functionality, there's more behind the tinkering construct. Uh, also, many of the features you talked about with speaking of the dead and everything like that, those also fall under the grave cleric camp uh, section. Um, and I think are a little bit more focused on that personally. I think it is a wonderful light to have made Professor E. Gads an eldritch being of sorts. He is. You can't um, deny me. I, I can. He's an eldritch being. I, I can. I can. Um, but, you know, um, <laughs> I, actually what I would have said is your real failure here, more than anything, you should have taken the genie in the bottle because he's always in his lab. That you get pulled into to talk to him. Maybe I feel That's like I feel saying. like I feel like uh, I agree with mine, but I can see the argument. I think it would be interesting to twist the both of them into a multi-class of a warlock and a grave cleric. That's fair. Throw in a feat of the uh, artificer savant. Hey, I mean that sounds pretty rad to me. So we both lose. Yeah, I think we lose. We both lose. Both lose. You both lose. Which means we all win. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you all win. Still exactly. having fun. D and D. Yeah. <laughs> so on that on that note, let's go ahead and roll for initiative again. Thirteen. Ooh, he got me this time. Six. Okay. Jess is up first. All right. Peach. Princess Peach. Peach was tricky. A lot of Peach is based on, uh, especially initially, it's it's highly based on, hey, she's the princess, Bowser captured her. But there's just a smidge of Bard in there because she's not hurt. She, they People just want her. 
Yes, I went with um, just uh, a couple levels of of bard, just to kind of give her that that position. Specifically, though, when you really focus in on her, um, she is the princess of the mushroom people, uh, the toadstool kingdom. And that, to me, reads nature druid. She is a circle of spores druid. She is a druid that is all about the mushroom people. Those are her her little followers and beings. Specifically, what she's going to get is the halo of spores, meaning that there are always these sort of spores falling around her. You know, there are consistently, if you look at like Super Smash Brothers, all of a sudden she's just got a toad in her hand that came from <laughs> nowhere. Circle of Spores Druid. There is the um, fungal infestation again. Again, there's just freaking spores everywhere. You can't get rid of these mushroom people. Throwing in a couple of feats for her. Inspiring leader, because I feel like that's what she is at the end of the day. She has her people who look up to her, who follow her. She, she generally is sort of this there's never a question of like should somebody else be reeling no it's got to be princess peach but on top of that i threw in a feat for tavern brawler this woman will grab just about any freaking thing and use it as an improvised weapon it doesn't mean if it was the golf club she was just swinging with she will bash you over the head with it it doesn't matter if it's the turn up from the table she will use it as a shield like anything some of the spells that she's going to get access to, though, would kind of tie in. Shalele kind of going right hand in hand with her umbrella or whatever else she's got to just make it a little bit more oomph. Um, mending, because no matter how often she's in a fight or captured, her dress always looks impeccable. Legit. Featherfall, she kind of has a tendency to like always catch herself. But more specifically, I went a little off kilter here with a race with a different race i made her a fairy um she's a fae being who can fly she can hover doesn't the fairies don't necessarily have wings they can just kind of float and hang out and if you've ever played super smash that's one of the most annoying things about fighting her is she just kind of hangs out up the top just hovering waiting for you to go away <laughs> before she drops down Unseen Servant, again, she's a background noble. She doesn't do with all these little things. She's got her little fungus and serpents to hang out and take care of things for her. I did go ahead and throw a crown of madness to her as a spell that she can cast, just specifically because I feel like that's got to be going on with Bowser. Like, I feel like he just kind of goes crazy every time he tries to, to go after and he kind of loses his senses. Crown of Madness seems to be kind of fitting um, for that. And I kind of threw in a couple of things like Message and Skyrite and Animal Messenger, because no matter how often she gets captured, someone knows. There's always somebody that knows. She's always getting her message out there. That's true. That's where I went with Peach, primarily a druid, but just a smidge of bard in there. All right. Well, that's a pretty, that's a pretty compelling argument. Uh, Mike, what do you got for Peach? Well, I got a lot of different things. That much is for sure. Um, I think what you decided to go with is, you know, decent, um, very wrong in many ways, but you know, it's, it's decent. It's a good attempt. I'm, I'm, you know, well done on that. Princess Peach, uh, 
is someone that is very high in her charisma. Uh, I will agree with you that I did also take the feat of inspiring leader. However, Princess Peach is clearly a bard. Not just any bard, a bard of the College of Glamour. After getting kidnapped, how many games are we at now at this point? Kidnapped, okay, by this literal monster, okay? Like, it's not like I'm going to just take over the kingdom. It's I'm going to steal the princess, then take over the kingdom, okay? Like, in the recent galaxy, he's, like, trying to marry her. Everyone is just always head over heels for Princess Peach. And she's not strumming a lute. Uh, She's just glamorous, okay? She is the most elegant princess in the entire Mushroom Kingdom, okay? That she just excludes that mantle of inspiration, if you will. Um, Mm -hmm. She is able to have that mantle of majesty, if you will. Uh, She is an enthralling performer, okay? Or performance. She's able to rouse literally an army of mushroom individuals who are able to follow to her beck and will. She's also kind of like the jack of all trades very much fits in. So if you play some of the games, she actually really comes out in two main games. One game is, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it has to do with her emotions. So she has like a super rage mode. She has like a super calm mode, okay? She, she very much wears her emotions. The other one is the Paper Mario games where there's a whole side story of like half the game is Mario and, and then there's a big chunk that is how Princess Peach is reacting in this castle. One of the things she also does though, that's big, and this is the feat I take. And I'm saying this feat with a caveat that I am not trying to say anything else about it. But if you think about it, what's the one thing from Mario 64 everyone was fighting for to get the peach? The cake. You show up at her house because she has made you a cake. (laughs) Clearly, she needs the feet of chef. Even in the Paper Mario games, she is cooking. In some of the other games, she is also cooking. She does so much freaking cooking. However, she is not just a bard. She also exudes that charisma into her own magic. She is a sorcerer as well, a storm sorcerer. After casting every spell, she is able to access her temptress magic, which allows her to float up and then kind of have a slow descent. Perfect for that, because unfortunately, like Jess's, where the fairy continues to flutter, Princess Peach eventually does come down. She has a cooldown, because otherwise in Super Smash Brothers, it'd be really broken, and we'd have to call them Kirby. Um, but otherwise... Uh, <laughs> she is able to float and kind of gracefully move, but she also has random little magic bits that she has access to as well. She is able to perform and to woo those around her, even her enemies for crying out loud. Okay. Like could just destroy the kingdom. You think after Bowser failed, like for the 10th time, right? Like, I mean, like even in, in super Mario sunshine, spoiler alert, at the end, Bagby Bowser has been told all this time that Princess Peach is his mom. He is convinced by her glamour that she is his mom, even though physically you can understand that that would not be possible given who the creatures are, okay? Or anything. She's able to brainwash people, let's be honest, with nothing but her glamour. Um, also, as a background, of course, she is a noble. Uh, I also did have her still being a human. I do think it is interesting to take a fairy approach. She has that elegance to her, but she is not a fairy, unfortunately. Storm Sorcerer is a good one. That makes a lot of sense. No matter what, though, Chef Wall, it's it's a pretty good. Tavern Brawler is better. Fair. 
I don't know. I, I I'm so amused by the the by sh- the chef. That's that's just so funny to me. I love that. It's it's one of her big selling. In Mario sixty four, you literally show up to this castle, and when you beat the game, you also have the cake. Like they give you the, the cake. cake. Not unlike Portal, this one is actually get the cake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I enjoy I enjoy both of those. I just want my tavern brawler. Look at a level eleven. We can put it in. Okay. All right. There, All right. As long go. as you add it in. You know what? I didn't think about it. With human, they can start off with a feed, actually. With throw that brawler in there. There you go. There we go. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Gla- College of Glamour Storm Sorcerer Cook. That one was fun. That's my favorite so far. All right. So those, we got we got three down. We got one more to go. One more. Roll for initiative for Bowser. I've got a 10. So. I have a four. Well, I got a nat 20 on my first round, so this is karma. (laughs) Yeah, it's fitting. (laughs) All right, Jess. Bowser. So, this is going to sound like a reach. There are a lot of things that sound like we haven't really dabbled too, too much on race for most of these. Mm -hmm. It would seem like Bowser should be a very obvious race. I'm disagreeing with this, and I'm going high on flavor here. Bowser is a gray dwarf. Okay. He is also a sorcerer by a draconic bloodline. So that has really taken over his features, his everything. But realistically, at the core of it, he is a gray dwarf. The reality between being a gray dwarf is is that he can cast Enlarge Reduce on him multiple times. So he's always seeming much larger. Sometimes <laughs> he's absolutely massive. Um, and D&D would probably be qualified as like Arcanchuan. Draconic Sorcerer, he has just a dragon ancestor. And that's kind of where all of like the looks come from, you know, a bit of an outcast of the family. So we had to go find some Cooper bros. It's all great. Essentially, he's got all of his kobold followers, uh, specifically Red Dragon. It's a little, little obvious that's going to give him some access to protection from fire and more along those lines. With Sorcerer, he's going to take some metamagic. You've got empowered spells. You've got quickened spells. You've got transmuted spells. These are going to allow him to kind of very quickly do a few things. Bowser is known for like throwing things rapidly one after another very quickly. That's going to be your quickened spell. Your empowered spell, he's got some really strong attacks that he's going to do. Um, And your transmuted spell, most of his attacks tend to be fire-based, not every, but most. Um, So even that's going to allow him to manipulate magic to be what he, he what he wants it to be. He's going to obviously have his elemental affinity towards fire, and any fire damage has a plus two to damage from that. So he's doing more damage with fire. He is tougher and stronger, so he is getting the tough feet, and he is also taking fighting initiative and getting the thrown weapon uh, fighting because he's got to throw his hammers. He's got to go and throw hammer after hammer after hammer. Spell wise, he's going to have a couple of things that are really geared heavily towards fire control flames, firebolt, technically thunderclap, but changing that to just like sort of a like massive like thwomp onto the ground with more fire. 
he's going to have some burning hands and again, earth tremor for again, when he's just throwing himself to the ground and shaking everything about. He is also going to have access to the spell itself in large reduce, um, flaming spear and scorching ray, fireball, melts, minute meteors. It's just going to be constantly fire. He also has access to charm monster, which is how one of the ways he's able to tame some of these creatures and beasts that are his allies. He's going to have access to fly for the various occasions that he just seems to come from the ceiling um, in multiple games where he just kind of falls down into the world. It's also going to kind of go hand in hand with why a lot of times with all this fire affinity in the early Super Mario Brothers games, you defeat Mario, or you defeat Bowser by throwing him into the lava pit. He just keeps coming back. He's still alive, but he also has cantrip friends. This is how he go is able to kind of calmly get Peach without a big ordeal, without her fighting, without her getting hurt, and just is like, hey why don't we come over here and chat for a second? Boom, you're captured. It's done with. I don't have to like trestle you up, throw you somewhere. We're we're civilized here. Now, can you please marry me? Give me your castle, give me your kingdom, whatever. That's where normally friends runs off. It's a very short time thing. Um, just enough for him to get in the door, maybe cast a dimension door with her and get her out of there with whatever he needs. Yeah, that is Bowser. Okay. Um, I'm reiterating again, I picked Grey Dwarf specifically for a couple of things, resistance to poison. Grey Dwarfs also have sunlight sensitivity. They have superior dark vision. Consistently in the games, you never see Bowser in the sun. He's not outside. He's down in the dungeons. He's down in the lava pits. He's maybe out out in space sometimes, maybe in another dimension. He's not hanging out outside. Dark vision. He can't take the sun. That's it. Um, did you have an alignment for Bowser? Oh, uh, he is lawful evil. Okay. Actually, since we're talking about alignment, I realized I did not ask about alignment for Peach. Did you have alignments picked out for Peach? Peach would probably, for me, be chaotic good. Okay. Lawful neutral. Okay. All right. All right. Mike, what do you, what do you got for Bowser? Those are good calls. Um, however, in general, I think it's very clear that uh, Bowser is more than just that. First off, Bowser is a barbarian. Okay. One of the main things you will see about Bowser is he, when he is collected and stuff, he is very calm. He's also very tunnel visioned when it comes to fighting things. He's very brute force. He's like, how do I accomplish this goal? I'm just going to steal the princess. And then, you know, just fly off and stuff like that. The amount of times that Bowser has put things of his demise in his own chambers to be killed by is staggering. He also is just not that mobile. He's kind of like a big bulky boy, okay? And he just kind of focuses on attack without thinking about how do I attack, right? He's not coming at you with these big crazy devices and stuff. His, his you know, the... Baby Bowser will, but not Bowser. Bowser, in fact, has times where he rages and goes into this crazy state. In fact, in some games, like in Super Smash Brothers, there's Giga Bowser, who's just this ultimately feral version of Bowser. Thus, Bowser is not just a barbarian. He's a barbarian of the path of the beast. 
giving this. Um, also, actually, let me let me backstep here real quick. Race wise, um, I actually would have almost picked dwarf for a different thing later, which I'll discuss later on. But I'm assuming um, the proficiency with weapons. No. However, what uh, the barbarian has, or what I would put him as, is of course a dragonborn. Naturally, fire breath just comes straight into the play with it. Uh, also, dragon breath is a very underutilized and very strong ability. It actually outscales a lot of other fire magic later on in the game um, because it is just a massive amount of damage that just outscales most cantrips. Anyways, continuing. Fire breath, huge thing for him. I mean, it just hand in hand. Resistance to fire comes in tone with being a red dragon. Um, it just fits well. Um, however, Primal Path adds even more to that. With the Primal Path uh, being the Path of the Beast, uh, you have your Form of the Beast, which lets you have a bite, claws, a tail, very common characteristics of Bowser that are just amplified further with the Form of the Beast, giving you extra damage when you attack with a bite. Your claws is was a big one for him, and his tail swipe is a big one, even going back to some of the old games. And additionally, as you mentioned, Jess, I 100% agree there are far too many times where Bowser just falls from the sky or just appears from a giant thing or is jumping. Bestial Soul allows you to have a jumping move, which lets you jump even further with your abilities. Um, I definitely think Bowser's a barbarian also because out of any foes, he is always the most hardy. Um, literally in Super Mario 64, the only way to defeat Bowser is to throw him into bombs and then throw him into lava multiple times and then he finally goes down but most of the time uh, it takes so much that i just feel like a sorcerer class would not do that in addition he's going to multi-class though he's going to multi-class into rune knight because rune knight fighter has the ability known as giant's might giant's might is a wonderful ability which lets you become a size larger up to the size of large which helps to fit that to make you a little bit more bulkier you get extra strength in addition, when you use unarmed strikes, you can deal extra damage because Bowser is all about that melee. He's not really coming at you with weapons. He tried the hammer thing in one game, and then he's never gone back to it since. Nowadays, Bowser is always running around, being a little bit more feral, trying to attack with his claws, his fire breath, et cetera, et cetera. He hasn't used those hammers in quite some time. So I just feel like he's hung up those ones. In addition, because he is a dragonborn, I gave him dragon hide, which increases his constitution. He gets retractable claws, which help to build him more into that kind of, you know, clawing nature. Uh, gives him even more resistance to things. He's reckless in all his attacks. That's why he always ends up failing is because after he's done all this plotting, when it comes to him fighting, he's just reckless. Second level, reckless attack. Lastly, he is definitely a background of inheritor. He has inherited his fortunes and uh, is, you know, continuing to move forward with that. The only thing I was going to slightly deviate on with that was instead of Path of Barbarian, I think a very close runner, but unfortunately you would have to be a dwarf to do, is one of the Barbarian subclasses, is the Bath of the Battle Rager, which you literally wear an armor of spikes. I was almost going to pick that one, but you have to be a dwarf. That didn't feel right. Um, all right. Did you mention what your alignment was for Bowser? Uh, I, it's the same. Lawful evil is what I would say. Gotcha. I again, I'm so torn. I like I like both of those. I have one final rebuttal to Jess's comment about the night vision thing. Clearly, you have never played Mario Kart, Mario Golf, or any of those other games. Because I <laughs> we can were tell trying you right to now, ignore that part. 
I know you were trying to, but I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying in where he's playing the villain. That's fair. I do like the the fr the friends. Your explanation of the friends cantrip that was pretty. That was pretty great. That was impressive. That yeah. is that is clever. That's good. I'm gonna call this one a draw. You can just say one is for one game and one's for another. I like, I, like <laughs> that. I would play both. Cool. Well, that that was wild, but in the best way. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun kind of taking a minute to look at some of the obvious choices, look at some of the unobvious choices, trying to see, plan which way to go. Mm -hmm. Well, now that the characters are classified, are there any particular magic items that you would give one or all four or, or some of these characters? Yes, definitely. Um, I think Princess Peach, because this was brought up earlier, her ability to like pull out a toad or pull out a pan. Bag of holding. She definitely has a bag of holding. That's what I, I have for her. Yeah, it's bag, bag of holding, holding, 100%. She needs a bag of holding. She's able to just whip things out and just like how she's literally like, it's like either a toad or a, a pan. She's a percent And she just has a bag full of random crap. Well, you you know, you look at her castle. Have you ever seen like a room that's full of gold? No. Mm -mm. You know what this probably is? In her bag of holding. Yeah. <laughs> For Mario, I said Wings of Flying, which is a cape. Um, Mario has a cape typically in some of these ones where it allows him to fly and such. I kind of went with, honestly, Mario just having the ring of jumping, which allows you to cast jump as a bonus action indefinitely. I'm like, well, that seems like such an integral like magic item for them just to be constantly like hopping every left and right. Like to me, that seemed like Mario technically Luigi would just excel with with that ring yeah for sure luigi i was gonna say goggles of true sight mm -hmm. Those um, one of the things you have in the game uh especially in luigi's mansion is there's a lot of hidden things and the only way to show things that are invisible is to use his special light that essentially reveals it but you can also in the mini games get goggles which then just let you see in that vision all the whole time um, I didn't really have anything for it specific for Luigi that I could think of. Um, but for Bowser, there is a creator I follow on Patreon, uh, the Griffin Saddlebag, that creates a lot of different magic items. And this was like what I needed to finish my Bowser. It's called, it's an item called the Turtle Pack. And it's essentially a backpack that looks like a turtle shell. It gives you additional bonus to your AC. It can't be pierced or destroyed. You can hold your breath for an hour. And it and it works like a backpack too. Like it, like essentially a handy haversack. Like so again, you're kind of whipping things out. And I kind of feel like Bowser does that a lot as well, where he'll just like randomly have something in his hand. Because these guys don't have pockets, they don't have like bags. All of a sudden there's just <laughs> something there. Right. So like it would give him like the dream of always wanting to be a dragon turtle and like being able to finish off that look and now i just ever since seeing this item i've just always pictured um bowser as like he's kind of hanging out with his backpack <laughs> and it's got, it looks like a shell it's actually the exact same one i picked i was gonna say it would go really well with the build of the of him as the the gray dwarf mm -hmm. particularly yeah it was his little story arc. He just really wants to be a dragon turtle. There you go. There you go. <laughs> He's Absolutely. got a little backpack. I've got a turtle. I'm a dragon turtle. <laughs> I'm a dragon turtle. Just tells everybody it's a shell. It's yeah. just a mix between a turtle and uh, and a dragonborn. Amazing. Um, cool. Well, before, before we wrap up, uh, do you have any final thoughts or lingering ideas regarding these classifications, these characters? 
I want to play these characters in D&D now. As a DM, I'm probably yes. going to be horrible and insert these as NPCs in my world. <laughs> I am sorry in advance to my players. <laughs> I just want to throw Nintendo characters at them now that are have been converted into D&D characters and being a little bit more obscure and random with the tidbits that they don't even realize what's there right in front of their faces. Um, that That's the kind of DM I like being. I just think it was fun and silly and ridiculous and I love it. I love that we got to do this, but I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. Some of these I want to play, uh, the, the princess with the tavern brawler feet. Absolutely. 100%. want to do this. <laughs> Definitely. I'll just build a one shop off of a group of people trying to save a princess. I just mean, slowly, slowly bring more and more in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Honestly, I love the whole franchise and what it's been able to really do. Growing up with um, Nintendo, it was very much a family-friendly like system. There was never any concern about like, oh, can we play this game? Can we not play this game as kids growing up? Um, just wholesome games that are ridiculous and like enough there com- competitive-wise. I mean, we would fight and argue about the games for sure, but you know, we're, we're like anything as kids. Um, it's it's i have a lot of very fond memories of nintendo games throughout the years um and i and i just appreciate that like especially as somebody who's very mindful of like oh my nephews and nieces and things like that as they're growing up uh a nintendo game can pop up and i'm like absolutely there's i'm not gonna have to sit there and like look at tons of reviews and like is this where's the age appropriate line and it's so hard these days like trying to like sort out little things like that knowing what you're getting involved in so I, um, I, I have been very appreciative of the games over the years. Yeah. Yeah. As an uncle, like I, I totally agree. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, Mario is just one of those titles. It's like, oh, it's a Mario game. Yeah. Anyone can play this. They're also fairly simple games. They're not, they're challenging, but they're not mm-hmm. like that game where it's like, I've got to figure out a thousand controls, but they mm-hmm. also can have some high skill levels as far as how well you can go through certain things. Um, so you can either play the game or you can go beyond it. But like mm-hmm. the other thing is it's also built to be family friendly with co-op. It's easy to do like have a friend come in or like play with, you know, uh, nephew or niece. For instance, I think one of the things I loved recently was one of the new Mario Party games that came out. Um, not the newest one, but the one before. There is so much more team building in the game. Like you do some things where like you're challenging against each other or you're working together. But every time you did a thing, you got to do like a hurrah. And as much as that seems like a cheesy thing, <laughs> honestly, I watched my nephews get more and more passionate about doing things together instead of it just being competition. That's awesome. Um, it's so easy to find kids that, you know, uh, they play a game and they get really competitive. I mean, we all have heard the, the horror stories of, you know, you playing like a Halo game or something like that. And you have these, you know, 10 year olds that are cursing you out and stuff. And like, it's like, that's not the fun environment. Like just play games and have fun. Like it's when you, fun. at at the end of the day, that should be the goal of it. And you can have fun winning or losing as long as you're doing it together. Just and I think like that's D&D. the key thing. Just like D and T. All comes together. Full circle. Well, then lastly, I want to ask just like, what are you guys up to? Is there anything that you would like to plug either for yourself or something that you're reading, watching, playing that you'd like to recommend or share? And if you want, where can people find you on social media, online, all that sort of thing? Well, for me, uh, my main thing is streaming online. Uh, I've been on a, I'm known as the hiatus guy. And that Uh is constantly still happening. I am about to start up depending on when this thing air so we may have already started uh but i'll be starting back actually gonna be jumping into a lot of retro games such as the mario games and a lot of nintendo stuff is kind of what i'm focusing on so 
catch me over on twitch.tv backslash the lawgivar. That's a G-I-V-A-R. Um, also same handle on Twitter as well. Uh, big in gaming, big in D&D stuff. Hoping to put more D&D in there as well. Um, you want to look at an amazing, amazing creator. Griffin Satterberg on Patreon. They have a couple of different tier options. Hands down some of the most amazing, well-balanced D&D items that you can find. Um, if you're looking to expand more, I would absolutely um, suggest Griffin Saddlebag. They are constantly releasing new items. You can get access to a lot of their older items as well. They have a whole ledger that makes it Oh, so beautiful to use as DM. I'm constantly giving these items out to my players. I'd always fall rule of cool, more, more items, more magic. It's all fun. They have so many new items that I'm just always constantly looking at to try and uh, find ways. That's probably who, if you're looking for magic items, that's my top recommendation right now. Cool. Well, then with that, these characters are classified. Mario, Luigi, Peach, and Bowser. At least this is what we think. Uh, how about you, the listeners? Uh, you can join the discussion by following us on Instagram at Classified Podcast and Twitter at Classified D&D. And the details for those, along with all these other things we've been shouting out, are in the show notes. Thank you so much to you two for joining me on this today. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. This was great. Looking forward to next time. Yeah, it'll be fun. And thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, join us next episode for another fandom, another team of characters, and another set of awesome classes. Luigi would be afraid. <laughs> Coward. Coward is his alignment. Coward and hide. Coward and hide. It's just he's probably true neutral. True neutral, yeah. He's like I don't, I just, I'm just hanging out. Right, right.